Amen, amen. Guys, uh, thanks for being here this morning. If y'all are wondering where the, uh, the other worship songs went, don't worry. We're going to get back there, okay? So we're, we're, uh, that was just a little, like, a little appetizer of tasting and seeing that Jesus is good, right? And there is no one like him. There is no pleasure on planet Earth that can compare to one moment in its midst, and um, we're going to get back into that place, but we're, we're just doing some things a little bit different this morning, all right? So we're going to um, dive into the Word together here for a few minutes, and then we're going to go right back in, but with even more confidence, all right? Uh, with even more clarity. So that, that's really the goal, is where we just were in, in worship together, that's the goal. That, that should be the goal of every day of your life, of every sermon ever preached, is, is being with Jesus, and we're going to get right back there, but we're going we're gonna to get some vision so we can go in even further and, and with even more confidence, all right? Yeah. So my name's Chris Pletcher. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Um, Tyler Hardy is our lead pastor. We actually, just fun story, we met um, 18 years ago this week, 18 years ago, on a bus to fish camp, all right? I'm not kidding. Our freshman year at Texas A&M fighting class of 05. Come on, Hardy. And, uh, and so, man, it's been so amazing to just get to share life for such a long time. And, and if you've been around this church for a while, um, you know that, that Tyler and Ashley are people of deep faith and love for Jesus, and they are safe people to follow into the kingdom of God. And if you're here and it's your very first time I can just tell you, being this guy's friend for 18 years, okay, the closer I get, man, the more glorious he becomes, all right? So, <laughs> so that's, it, that's an encouragement, Tyler, right? And usually when you get closer to people, you're like, whoa, I didn't know that was in there. But, um, so this morning, guys, we, um, I, before, before we jump in, I just want to say, are James and Stacy Ham here? Where are you guys? Y'all stand up in the back. James and Stacy. Okay, so... So look, look back here, look back in the corner. I just need you to take a moment. I, most of you guys have never met them before, but literally she is holding in her arms a living, breathing miracle of the living God, okay? So this is Baby River. James and Stacy are, are life group leaders in our family zone, and when Baby River was 17 weeks in, in the womb, um, the, uh, Stacy's water broke, and it became literally like the doctors were like, there's a less than 1% chance that this baby is going to come to term and live. And so the community all rallied around them and said, hey, that's okay because when Jesus was in the grave, that was a 0% chance, right? <laughs> and so we'll take 1% and go with it. And guys, we literally, miracles, miracles. The baby uh, stayed how many weeks when she was born? 24, so stayed in for, for seven weeks, was born incredibly premature at 24 and a half weeks. They've been down in Houston for months, literally months, removed from their community, watching day after day, week after week, River come to full life. And she is holding a miracle this morning of full health. So, guys, y'all are heroes. What a hard, hard thing to walk through. Welcome home. We love y'all so much. Come on. All right. 
All right, is, is Daniel here this morning? Daniel, where are you at? Is he here? D-Lock, what's up? Okay, I'm sorry, I have to. Hannah, you gotta stand up too, okay. So, okay, so Daniel Locke is our youth pastor. They just got engaged last night, okay? We just, so congrats, you guys are amazing. You're glowing with the glory of God. Um, but no, this, look, this matters. When, when Kaylin and Tyler get up here and say, hey, this is a place where you can become family, all right? It really is, guys. We're, so, <laughs> praise God. This is a place where you can make a family, too. So. Okay. All right. Let's dive in. Let's dive in, okay? So we got, like, we got, we're going to get in the Word here, and then, like I said, we're going we're gonna to run back in to, to the holy place with Jesus, and, and I, I am so expectant for what God's going to do in our hearts this morning um, just as we fix our eyes on Jesus and meet with him. But so, um, like I said, I came to AM 18 years ago as a freshman in college, and like so many freshmen in college, just came out of this crazy high school season of life. I, I didn't grow up around the church, and, and so much of my life is just like searching for purpose, searching for meaning, trying to figure out, like, what am I supposed to do with life? Like, what is this life all about? Who am I supposed to be? And, and it, it was almost like, depending on where the target was any given week or month, I, I would kind of morph myself to kind of go after that purpose, all right? So if the purpose of life was to be successful, then I'd kind of angle myself and try to become a really great student. If the purpose of life was to be popular, then I'd try to hang with the cool kids, right, and get a new haircut and, and do that thing. If the purpose of life was to be, to be happy, to be rich, to be famous, right? Like, as we're searching for purpose, we can, we sort of, conform to what we think that purpose is, you know? An easier way to see it is we become what we behold. Whatever we fix our eyes on and think is our purpose in life, that kind of becomes, we, we get transformed into that image, right? So if you think, and I'm sure, I'm probably not alone, right? Any of you guys ever just searched out your purpose and tried to figure out chasing purpose and, and just kind of morphing along the way in pursuit of the meaning of life, right? Have you noticed this in yourself? Like if it, maybe in high school for you, it's like you thought my purpose is to be super athlete. And so you, you hit the weight room, you trained constantly, and what you set your mind to, your, what you've be, beheld in your eye as purpose, you began to probably get a little bit stronger, probably get a little bit faster, right? Whatever we, whatever we fix our eyes on, we become. And so wouldn't it be amazing if in all of this life, all 500 or 600 of us in here trying to figure out our purpose and meaning, we could just agree on one thing? Wouldn't that be helpful? Like, can somebody just tell me, like, what the one thing is that will give me purpose? Have you ever felt that way? Purpose and meaning and significance? Well, I, I want to hopefully make this really simple for us this morning. And I hope, I hope that you have all heard this before. But if this is new for you this morning, Praise God, you're in the right place. But every single person in all of human history was created in the image of an incredible God. One true God, creator of the ends of the earth. And we were actually made in his image. And we were made to be like him in his character and to reflect his goodness all around the world. Literally, it's like how the sun uh, shines bright light and the moon is just this ball of dust, you and me, 
that reflects that light out, right? You were created to be just like that. So every time you look at the moon, you'd be like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm just supposed to catch the beam of the sunlight and throw it back out somewhere, right? So that's what we were made to do. But we know that we walked away from God. Wow, this is a cool analogy. This is not in my notes. Maybe we, as the moon, we kind of hid behind the earth, right? And just darkness, okay? So we walked away. We separated ourselves from the shining of God's light, and we just became this dark, cold ball of dust reflecting nothing. And, and on that dark ball of dust, all kinds of just nasty stuff starts to grow in the dark. And you know what I'm saying? And so we were disconnected from our created purpose to reflect the goodness and the light of God. And all of human history is the story of God pursuing us, his wayward sons and daughters, that we might be redeemed and restored to our created purpose, simply to know him and reflect his goodness. And a few thousand years of biblical history tell this amazing story of God in pursuit of restoring you to that purpose. And the reason why you're probably gathered in a Christian church this morning is because all of that story culminated about 2,000 years ago when God himself stepped onto planet Earth as a man named Jesus Christ. God became a man to bridge the gap between man and God. He became a man so that he could, as our great high priest that we're going to see this morning, as our mediator, he could lay one hand on broken humanity, and as God in the flesh, he could lay the other hand on God himself, and he could bring this great restoration of all things back together, restoring you to your created purpose. In the culmination of his earthly life, Jesus willingly gave his life on a Roman cross in order to take away this separation, to take away the sin of the world. You guys know Jesus died on the cross one time? You notice how like that never happened again? It was literally one Friday in history. Good Friday. We celebrate every year. Happened one time. Everything that stood between us and God, everything that stood between us being restored to our created purpose, he took it all away in one afternoon. That's pretty shocking considering how messed up my life was without Jesus. That's just one person. How about, I mean, some of you guys were way more messed up than me, right? And so you heap all that stuff together, all the brokenness of all of human history, just, just, just rake it all together in one nasty mess. And in one afternoon, in one afternoon, Jesus <laughs> obliterated it. Praise God, by pouring out his own blood, by letting his own flesh be torn as the once for all perfect sacrifice for all of humanity, for all of sin, one time. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says it like this. What an amazing summation of the gospel. It says this, that he made him, 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, he made him who knew no sin, to become sin on our behalf, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I mean, is there a better summary? He made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf one afternoon so that you and I 
could become right with God. We could become the righteousness of God. We could be restored. So quick recap. We were made to know and reflect the goodness of God. We blew it by hiding behind the earth and choosing our own way and things just got dark and nasty. But God pursued us anyway to bring salvation and restoration. Amen? So, so whether you are an accountant or an engineer or a freshman in college or a stay-at-home mom or an eight-year-old that's starting school tomorrow, really, wherever you are, whoever you are and what season of life you are in, the very simple purpose that we have all been created for is to know God and reflect him, to know God and shine his goodness to the earth. But the question becomes, how, right? I mean, that's all great. Man, that's, they, you got me, Chris. I'm here. I'm on the edge of my seat. You've convinced me. I'm stopped searching for my purpose. You just told me what it is. How do I do that? And it's amazing how simple Jesus has made this for us. The whole world and the devil seem literally hell-bent on making this so confusing, and it is so simple. Y'all ready for simple? Yeah. Check this out. 2 Corinthians 3.18. How do I, how am I restored to my original purpose to reflect God's goodness? It's very simple. It says this, we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. We become what we Behold. Can y'all say that with me? We become what we behold. So the very simple way to become who you were created to be by God, a reflector of his glory, is to just look at his glory. That's it. Let's leave that verse up there for a second. Guys, we just look at Jesus. We just look at him. The veil has been taken away. That's what he did that afternoon on the cross. He tore the veil of separation of our sin. So now we can clearly Just like in a mirror, we can behold the glory of God. And every time we see him as he is, something in us gets changed. Every time we catch a glimpse of his goodness, a glimpse of his mercy, a glimpse of his power, a glimpse of his love and his forgiveness, every time we just catch a glimmer of ray of shining from him, we get transformed into the same image? Are you kidding me? You can be like him? Yes, you can. It's actually the purpose of your life. From glory to glory, from glory to glory, every glimpse, from glory to glory, we behold him and we become more like him. So then, man, the mighty mighty men of faith in, in history, they understood this. I want to, you know, King David, we all talk about King David, man, as man after God's heart. He wrote a billion songs and psalms, and he, he had this powerful connection, communion with God. Listen to what he said, Psalm 26. He understood this. He said this in Psalm 26, verse 8. I have to flip there. He says, Oh Lord, I love the habitation of your house, the place where your glory dwells. He understood there was a place where God's glory dwelt, and it's the most important place that I need to figure out how to get to in my life. In the very next Psalm, Psalm 27, he says this, one thing 
I have asked from the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Why does he want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life? Because that's where the glory dwells. He wants to be there. He wants to behold. There, there that word is again. Behold the beauty of the Lord and meditate. So if the created purpose of my life is to reflect his glory, then the most critical issue of my life becomes how do I get into this place where his glory dwells? Are you with me? How do I get into this house? How do I come into an, an encounter where I see his glory? Are you with me? Yes, you're with me. Praise God. So before though, now pause. Before I lose all of you guys in religious cloud, fog land, because I'm saying all these words like glory and behold and all that. Before I lose you in the fog, let me just pull this back down to like just the most foundational level, okay? So I was working on this message yesterday morning and I was just trying to hammer out what I felt like God was saying and, and I'm sitting and I'm pouring through the book of Hebrews, which we're, we're about to do here in a second and, and I'm just wrestling with this and I'm like, and I just kind of got stuck in like head and heart right here, like in theology land, you know? And I'm like, honestly, I'm like, I'm not feeling so good about this sermon, you know? And, and my, my, five, my almost six-year-old son, Caleb, wakes up and I'm, I have this room off of our garage. We call it the bonus room, all right? And so, so around 7 a.m., he opens the door and, and he, he comes in. And as soon as I hear him open the door, I spin around in my chair and I'm just ready for him. And there's a few steps. He comes down the steps and he literally runs across the bonus room and just kind of jumps up in my lap. I'm like, hey, buddy, good morning. Oh, man. Oh. And I'm just holding him. This happens almost every single morning of his life, okay? And, um, and um, so, but all these, I'm in theology land. I'm trying to figure out this stuff. And I, so I just, I just start asking him. I said, Caleb, what is it that keeps us away from God? And he said, our sin. Okay, so right, you're, you're exactly right. That's the separation of our, our sin, our own way. And so I said, buddy, what did Jesus do on the cross? He said, daddy, he took away our sin. So I said, so, because here's the thing. If we can't, if this isn't simple enough for a five or six-year-old to get, then we're, uh, we're in the religious cloud somewhere. We're overcomplicating it, right? So I said, so Jesus has already taken away all of the stuff that can keep me from the Father. He's like, yeah. I said, Caleb, you woke up this morning in my house, but were you with me, like in my presence when you woke up? He said, no. I'm thinking, okay, this is getting good. I said, what did you have to do to be close to me? And he said, I had to come to you, Daddy. I said, how did you know I was in here? He said, because you're always in your bonus room early in the morning. <laughs> okay, I'm, we're, we're really getting somewhere. I said, but how did you feel when you came into my room this morning? He said, happy. I was like, oh, wait, break this down for me a little bit. <laughs> I'm serious. This was our conversation. I'm not exaggerating. Break it down for me a little bit. You said you felt happy. How did you feel when you opened the door? And he said this, excited. Okay. I said, how did you feel when you got into my lap? He said, cozy. <laughs> so 
excited at the door, cozy my, I said, buddy, but you said you felt happy. I said, at what point did you feel happy? I'm not lying. He said this, in the middle of the room. As he was running through the center of the room, that's where he began to encounter the joy of the presence of his father. And the closer he got up in the lap to cozy land. I'm like, you just finished, you just finished my sermon. Thank you. You know, okay, so, 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 and, the re- and it just dawned on me, like, why could I not grapple with this when I was in theology land? And God was just like, because I'm a father. I'm a father, and you're my son, and this is just about my sons and daughters coming in with excitement and expectation, drawing through into my presence and getting up into the arms of daddy where there's comfort, where there's security, where there's rest. I felt like God said, that's what it means to be in my house, to be in the place where my glory dwells. Isn't that wild? So like you guys, if you're a child of God, if you're a son or a daughter through the blood of Christ, then you wake up every day in the house of your daddy. You wake up every day. Well, I'm gonna qualify this with a second. I really believe that when we, when we choose to um, like obey and abide, the word abide means to dwell, right? So abiding is like, I'm gonna stay in the house of my father, okay? How do you know though, like Caleb could choose to go sleep on the curb. He could choose to actually remove himself from the dwelling place of his daddy where there's safety, where there's provision, where God is, where, where father is near. He could actually go sleep on the curb. And I think that when we choose to rebel against God and when we choose disobedience, we are coming out of his house. He's not throwing us out. We are choosing to say, I don't want to dwell here in the safety of daddy's covering. I'm going to go try to find something else out on the street. Oh. But we wake up every day, apart from that willful leaving, we wake up every day in Father's house. Are you with me? In the place of his presence, in the place, or not in the place of his presence, in the place of his provision and his blessing, but there's still a, I've got to come to daddy. All right? So how do we do that simple father-son entering in the place? How do we behold him? How do we just make that walk through the house into the room where daddy's sitting? To crawl up into his cozy lap and be with God. Because in that place is where we are transformed. Right? In that, you can get religious all day long and create a new Ten Commandments for yourself and try to like, change yourself to be a better person or a better Christian or something like that, and it's going to do nothing to transform you into the glory of God like just walking across the room and getting into your Father's presence. And that's how you're transformed. That's the gospel. And so we're going to just fix our eyes on Jesus because the more we understand this simple drawing near that Jesus has totally paid for and paved the way for, the more we understand this simple gospel invitation, the more we will commune in the place of our Father, the more regular. How many guys want to like commune with God, sit in Daddy's lap more regularly, more easily, more powerfully? You're like, yep, I signed up for that. 
So the understanding the, the road that Jesus has paved is so critical. So we're just going to fix our eyes on Jesus, and, and I'm just going to preach through some verses until we're out of time, and then we're just going to go, okay? We're going to literally, we're going to, wherever you are, we're going to just draw, we're going to enter in the room where, where Father's glory is, and we're just going to run, and we're going to run in. Not because you're perfect today or because you didn't make any mistakes this weekend, but because as a son or daughter of God and Jesus, that is the way that he paved for you to run into. So let's go to Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2. We're just going to fix our eyes on Jesus here and read the word because what Jesus has done and more importantly, what he is doing right now is critical for this journey of drawing near. Okay? Are we good? Okay. That's a little warm up here. I'm just like, I think I'm fired up though. Hopefully the AC's cranking. So Hebrews 2. If you, if you don't have a book of the Bible that you're sinking your teeth in right now, and you're like, hey, what am I going to read this semester? Just pick Hebrews. Just go. Just start. And just chew on it until you just are living in the lap. I mean, I'm serious, because it is the revelation that helps us get to this place. So here we go. Hebrews 2, 14 through 18. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself also partook of the same. That just means God became like you. He became a man. So that through death, he might render powerless him who had the power of death. Man, that's good news. He rendered powerless the devil. And he might free us who through fear have been subject to slavery our whole lives. Isn't Jesus amazing? He became like us so that he could walk straight in to the devil's place of power, the earth, and take it all back for the sons and daughters of the living God. That's you and me, by the way. He rendered him powerless. And it says in verse 17, if we can hop over to verse 17 here, Hebrews 2, 17, he had to be made like us in all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. That's what I was saying earlier about how God actually had to become a man so that man and God could reunite. You see what I'm saying? He was made like us. This big word propitiation just means that Jesus, that, that nasty black ball of mess that was your sin and brokenness and mine, when Jesus hung on the cross, he took all that junk and, and, and the, the justice of God was executed on evil. And he was the one that took it. It just means he was a substitutionary sacrifice. You should have been killed for your sin. Uh, that's, the, that's the truth. The wages of sin is death. You should have been killed for all of your sin and wicked deeds. Jesus stepped in front of you as your propitiation, your substitute sacrifice. So you could hide behind him and say, I'm with that guy. It's already been paid for. Isn't he amazing? That's what he did for us when he hung on the cross. He made propitiation. And so because of that now, since he himself was tempted in all that which he had suffered, next verse 218 here. Since he was tempted in all that he suffered, he's able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. 
Isn't he amazing? Some of us, me included, vulnerability moment. When I face temptation, I'm like, God hates me. I'm on my own. Oh, man, run. You know, like I, I, when I'm experiencing temptation, I immediately go to, what is wrong with me? Why am, I, why am I thinking about this thought right now? Why did that horrible, wicked, dishonoring to God thought just go through my mind? And I, and I actually think God must be really unhappy with me right now because I'm ha- struggling. I'm having tempting thought. No, guys, he already paid for that junk, right? He already buried that stuff in the earth. And so he's like, no, 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 don't get away from me when you're feeling tempted. Run to me because I literally am your high priest so that you can come to me in your time of need. Isn't he amazing? Hebrews 4, 14. Hebrews 4, 14. Since then, he's so amazing Since he's this incredible high priest who was God but became a man so that he could stand in the middle and bring us back to God, since he's so amazing, he's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest, verse 15, who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who's been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Okay, Jesus sympathizes with my weakness. Sometimes my temptation makes me feel like I can't be close to God. My weakness makes me feel like I can't be close to God. But I don't have a high priest like that. I have a high priest that sympathizes with all of my weaknesses. So verse 16 says, Therefore, because he's so amazing and he's already paid for it all, and he's sitting at the right hand of God for you right now, let us draw near with confidence. Be honest. Your devotional life, you're just so confident, right? Every morning you wake up and you're just like, here I go, I'm running in with confidence. I'm just, man, God's just waiting to hang out for me in the chair in the bonus room, and I'm just like sprinting through, right? That might be like four of y'all right now. Most days, because of our temptation, because of our weakness, we're like, we're like sitting out the door like, is he going to be angry? Can I go in? You know, can I go, can I draw near to him? But I had that temptation or, but I totally gave into that temptation, right? And we're like standing at the door like, can I go in? Oh my gosh, we need to understand the gospel. Because Jesus unlocked that door. He kicked it open on the cross so that you don't have to. Caleb has never one time sat outside the door to my bonus room. He's never sat out there and gone, man. All right, I I disobeyed yesterday when I slugged my sister with a bat. Um, I wonder if my dad, I wonder if I'm allowed to go in there this morning. I don't know. He's never done that. Why? Because he's a child. And he has childlike faith, right, that just says, my dad is waiting for me. I know he's in there. The door's already unlocked. He actually went before me into there and unlocked the door for me. So I'm running in with confidence. I'm running in. Oh, please don't hang outside the door of the bonus room. (laughs) Sorry, the door of the holy place (laughs) where father dwells, right? Don't wake up in his house. and Well, it's cool to just live in his house, but he's way over on the other side of the house, and he doesn't really want me to bother him. Gail, get in his lap with confidence. You know what the word confidence actually means? 
So the Latin roots to that word, con fide, con fide, it literally means with faith. Oh my gosh, we need to understand the gospel. If we don't understand and have this faith, then we're never going to go through the door. It is with faith, right? It is with faith. And so check out. Let's do Hebrews 9 real quick, 11 and 12. Isn't he amazing? When Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, again, there it is. He entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, not of creation. He didn't enter into the holy, like a Levitical tent from the Old Testament. That was just to set us up to understand this greater reality. But he he entered through, not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all. Jesus went in. He entered into the presence of God once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. He entered all the way in. He literally paved the way for you to walk straight into the holy place. So then here it is, Hebrews 10, 19 through 22, the culmination. Okay, check this out. Hebrews 10, 19 says this. Therefore, brethren, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the what? The blood of Jesus, by a new and living way through which he inaugurated for us this new way. We don't have to wait in the outer courts for a high priest to come and like sprinkle us with water. We don't have to like do this thing where we clean ourselves up and we figure out all of our problems and all of our weaknesses. We don't have to do all this like, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? This like incremental like, well, okay, am I good enough to go here? Am I, can I get washed a little bit more to go here? No, he inaugurated a new way all the way through the veil by his literal flesh and blood. So here's what I'll say. If we're not running into the holy place as sons and daughters, con fide, with confidence, we do not understand the gospel. We do not understand or we do not have faith fully in what Jesus paid to bring us into this moment with the Father where we see him as he is and regardless of my temptation, my weakness, I get to be with him. And guess what? When I'm with him, he meets me and transforms me. He deals with my temptation. He deals with my weakness. His love, his security, his presence shapes those things that make me want to hang at the door. God's like, don't leave that junk at the door. I actually need you to bring it all the way in here because the throne of grace is where you find mercy and help in the time of need. Guys, we think our need disqualifies us. We think our weakness disqualifies us. Jesus tore the veil and paved the way all the way in. He says, bring your need, bring your weakness. I mean, guys, this is us, right? We come to church on Sunday morning. Nobody's more aware of your weakness than you are. Nobody's more aware of your need, your sin, your brokenness, your shame, your pride. Nobody's more aware of you. And so we come and we're like, am I going to get to meet with him today? Am I going to get to be close to him? I haven't really done that great this week. 
Or even worse, man, I've been so good this week, I get to just strut on into the holy place, right? <laughs> there are two things that leave us at the door. Shame and pride. Shame says I'm not allowed to have weakness. Pride says I don't have any weakness. Shame says I'm not allowed to have any need. Pride says I don't have any need. The blood of Jesus crushes them both. So we can enter in with confidence. Say that with me. With confidence. Guys, I want you all to stand up. Because we are going to enter in to the holy place with confidence. Because we need an encounter with Heavenly Father. Be with me. It is the one thing that shapes and transforms us this morning. Is just being close to Him. So... Can I just ask, like, who wants to be close to him? I mean, this isn't like a forced thing. We're not going to, like, drag you into the holy place. That's not really how it works. So, like, if you're here this morning and you're like, man, this guy's crazy. Why is he jumping up and down? What is so, you know, you don't have to be here. We're not dragging anybody into the holy place. But, man, Jesus has paved this way for, him to, for us to run in with confidence. So here's the invitation. Please, whatever your temptation, your sin, your weaknesses, please don't stay at the door. Go right to him with it this morning. Run straight in to the seat of your father and just bring it to him. Just give it to him. Just talk to him about it. And don't stay at a distance and your, if pride is your thing, you're like, I don't really know if I need that. Trust me, you need that. We need that. There's nothing else in all of heaven and earth that can transform us to our creative purpose and be in there. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna have our prayer team um, come up, but this is gonna be a little odd. Just prayer teams, just come up real quick. I want y'all to like face this way for the first song, okay? So y'all are just worshiping. So don't stand here looking at us like awkward and I'm gonna worship at you while you worship at me, okay? But after the first song, I want you to turn yourselves around and just make yourselves available because we're, we're going to run in to be with God. And if there's any place of need or weakness, go. I would say be with God first, but there's, there's power also by drawing near and saying, here's my need, here's my weakness, will you pray for me? And guys, he has an encounter with us this morning in the holy place as we come like children running in with confidence. He has an encounter for us this morning. It is a promise. If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Jesus, thank you so much that you tore the veil, that you made a way for us to enter all the way in to be with the Father. Thank you, Jesus, that you're, you come to our aid in temptation, that you sympathize with us in our weakness, that it's okay for us to need you today. It's okay for us to not be all put together. We don't wait outside the door until we have it put together. We'd be waiting forever. So we come in, Father God, to just meet with you. We, you're already waiting. 
So we draw near to you. Draw near to your heart today. In Jesus' name, the only name under all of heaven by which men are saved, we draw near to you this morning. I just want you to begin to lift up your heart. I just want you to imagine that you're passing through the door. You're passing through the door. The door is Jesus. The door is his blood that was shed for you on the cross. I just want you to enter in. Just draw near. Come with confidence. It might feel awkward at first because you know you're not perfect, but he was perfect. So just draw near. Pass through the door of his blood and his body. Pass through the door of his grace.